selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, Eiffel Grand Prix edition. It's not the German Grand Prix, we had a race around the Nürburgring this weekend, and my name is Matthew Gallagher. Joining me in the podcast virtual booth is a man who has not actually developed a wrinkle yet, and he is 73 years old, Tom Bellingham, WTF1 founder. How are you on this fine actual afternoon we're filming today? I'm good. I love how this has become like, so, someone mentioned it on Twitter that it's almost like the intros to the Stig that you're doing now for me. Hey. You know where it's like, some say he has 14 wives or whatever like you did in the last one well yeah i mean how did katie <laughs> take the fact that you were it's fine she didn't listen you called it she's too busy perfect good nice you, as soon as she was about to press play you were like no 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 no, no it's fine boring my, one. my other 13 wives were not happy there <laughs> right let's get into some three word race reviews then mark bellew bring back hulkenberg spvevi spvevi midfield is amazing <laughs> stefan underscore marketing honey badger podium and tamaltrab racing two hard so bring back Hulkenberg we did we 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 have Nico we sure back did. in the paddock once again midfield is amazing yeah yeah it was it was quite good I would tasty sorry tasty yeah always is it's amazing it was if it was at the front it would be good yeah we just sure. uh yeah honey badger podium of course Danny Rick on the podium once again and racing too hard obviously quoting Mr Alex Alban now, before we get into all of that, let's talk very quickly about Hamilton equaling Michael Schumacher's record uh, and that amazing moment where where Mick Schumacher gave uh, Lewis Hamilton one of the 2012, I think it was, Michael Schumacher's uh, race helmets. I said an IBL race winning. I meant to say race worn. Obviously, he didn't win a race with Mercedes, uh, Michael. But yeah, it was a very um, emotional moment, wasn't it? It was, it was sad not to be able to see Michael himself do it because that would have been a very iconic moment. But nevertheless... Mick Schumacher, obviously on his way to Formula One, it looks like, um, and and it was it was a special moment. Obviously, Michael Schumacher's very iconic red helmet, and uh, and Hamilton, ninety one wins as well. Yeah, incredible moment. It's one of those things that it's inevitable. It was inevitable. It was going to happen, but the fact that, like you say, they got Mick Schumacher to present the helmet that really got me actually, and it was a very yeah very emotional moment. Really well done by Formula One. Um, and yeah, just an incredible achievement. And it's great that the Schumacher family did that as a gesture to kind of, you know, applaud Hamilton's achievements, which we should all do, regardless of whether you think he's the best of all time, whether he's, uh, you know, what, whatever bracket he's in, you don't win 91 races by not being an unbelievably good driver. And Hamilton deserves to win 91 races and is an unbelievable driver. Yeah, he deserves the recognition. Um We'll never know who's the greatest of all time. It'll always be an opinion. It's never a fact. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, you, you have to, you know, we recognise Michael Schumacher's achievements, despite some of the things he may have done which were questionable. We also recognise Lewis Hamilton's achievements, even though, you know, people will argue that he had the best car ever for most of his career. But he's won in every single season and he deserves every bit of credit he 
he probably doesn't get, but uh, he deserves a lot more credit than maybe he's given. Right, yeah. that's uh, that's that. We're not going to dive into who's better, Schumacher or Hamilton, because there's no, really no point. And, and that would be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and we wouldn't <laughs> and have arguing. an answer for you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Tommy, let's start with your three-word race review. Mine was plenty of action. And I enjoyed the race. I think we've learned to accept now that Mercedes are pretty much unbeatable this season. Uh, and Verstappen somehow manages to hang on all the races. And there's a huge gap between F1 and F1.5, as we joke. But I really enjoyed it. There was lockups, spins, incidents, decent amount of passing in the midfield, safety cars, Ricardo getting a podium, uh, lots of, yeah, lots of mistakes, a lot more than you normally see, I feel. And uh, people that have listened to this podcast a lot will know what's coming next. And I feel like what has contributed that is the fact that there was no Friday practice. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where in that race, they needed practice more than anything because it's a very, it's a new track that they've not driven on for many years, especially not in these type of cars. And as well, it's just, they they couldn't do the the running that they needed in the cold conditions to know what was going to happen and i think that was what contributed to so many incidents and so many mistakes from the drivers yeah uh, raccoon underscore soho says our two-day race weekend's the future i'm gonna nip that in the bud and say no it's not f1 is a commercial sport they have to run something on friday or at least have the formula one cars out there doing something um, as much as it makes the you know the, the F1 race weekends better, and I know Tommy will be squirming in his seat hearing this, but Formula <laughs> One is powered by revenue and money and selling something that happens on the Friday. And a lot of people can't afford to go on Saturdays and Sundays when it's a lot more expensive. Friday is when you see the F1 cars the most. And from a spectator point of view, it has to stay uh, because that's a lot of people's favorite days of Fridays because of how much running we get to see. Uh I'm not saying that the race weekends are better because of it, because they're not in terms of the actual spectacle on a Sunday. But I I personally cannot see it becoming a two-day race weekend unless somehow there's a lot more action that, that happens on the Saturday and Sunday. But either way, the Formula One cars have to be out there from a commercial standpoint. So I knew that answer was coming. <laughs> go on so so i've so i've prepared a solution for you oh here we go here we go i'm sure the sponsors right. are going to be very happy with this one go on yeah so the the thing that gets me with friday is because they do race simulations and we don't want to we don't want a race simulation we don't want to know exactly what's going to happen in the race and know exactly what tire they want that's the reason why we always say get rid of friday because it would make the racing better so what if pirelli made a tire that they use on a Friday that they have to use in free practice sessions that are totally irrelevant to the race so they can get dialed into the track conditions um, and and the conditions, but they can't do race simulations because they don't know exactly how the tire that when they put it on, they could still do it for free practice three so they can get used to the tire, but FP1 and FP2 give them a completely different tire that doesn't have any kind of relation to the race and then they, they can't do these perfect race simulations where they know exactly what lap they're going to pit, exactly when the tyres are going to go off. And then we go into the racing and then it counteracts that problem, like you say. Because I, however much I want to get rid of Friday, I do sympathise. And I, you know, growing up, I've, I've me and my dad used to go to Friday practice because it was really cheap and that's what we could afford to go to. So I get it. But maybe maybe this is a way they could do it. I think it just needs to stop the race simulations because I think the problem for me is too much data. Yeah, too much data. I think that is certainly one way of fixing some of the, the var- well, uh, uh, making sure we have some of those variables going into Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I wonder what the F1 teams would say, uh, whether they'd even do an hour and a half fp1 an hour and a half half fp2 to practice for something that doesn't even that, that's yeah. not even relevant to the race it doesn't take uh, a driver three hours to to get dialed into to, to a racetrack so I, sh- I would assume we wouldn't see them running that much because and then you know then there'll be the argument that you know it's a huge amount of money to run these cars lap after lap 
why would they run these cars, especially put the power units, et cetera, et cetera, under stress when they could have learned everything in half an hour? That's my that's my counter argument, Tommy. Yeah, and I, I also um, assumed that was going to be the case because... Okay, wow, jeez. <laughs> well, no, because I, cause I, can, I can totally sympathise because, yeah, I this proposal, I know it's not bulletproof because you can see it already. The first session, no one goes out in FP1 and it's a farce and, and then we get another ridiculous situation where all the teams just sit in the garage and they don't go out. So you've not got anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, again, it's cutting down the Friday practice, but maybe it could just be one session on the Friday. They go out, they have to go out in these cars and set X amount of laps with these uh, with these tyres that don't make a difference too much to the race. And then maybe it's a case of switching the race weekends around so there's more things for the fans to do, like the driver, um, the driver autograph sessions and stuff. You could move to a Friday because like you say, they might not need three hours of running on tyres that don't actually matter. No. I, I think there's definitely something to be said in it, but at the same time, we used to have a Sunday warm-up session and no one is crying over the fact that we don't get to see a car for an hour, an extra hour on a Sunday. Um, so yeah, it's difficult. Uh, there's no perfect solution, but I definitely think that this race, once again, has proved... And and it's I noticed a lot more teams and drivers were talking about it this weekend than ever before, and I think that F one are, are going to take notice now and at least try and do something about it. Yeah, but the problem with uh, with passing new things is that they need a unanimous yes, don't they, from the teams, which is a very odd thing. Well, they all seem to they all seem to quite like it. <laughs> well, we were going to get potential reverse grid qualifying until one team said no, so. We might have a team that disagrees with uh, with mixing around practice. Probably another yeah, top yeah. team. But uh, either way, uh, what do we think to the circuit uh, is a question. And we've got, uh, well, that's just an open question. And we've got a question from Twitch NF6 says, more proof that modern F1 circuits, in inverted commas, aren't necessarily great for F1 cars. Nürburgring has multiple overtaking spots, inside-outside moves, side-by-side, great circuit. Y- yeah, I-, I was surprised with the amount of overtaking we had this weekend, mm. I think it goes to show, you know, different strategies and, and, and things like that definitely um, allowed for, for better racing uh, and the unknown. And I think that, you know, even with car setup, it was a bit of an unknown because clearly, uh, you know, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc is a great example of someone that probably leaned more towards qualifying for track position and then, couldn't hold on at all in the race and didn't have any kind of pace in that Ferrari, even though when we saw it in qualifying, we thought, wow, Ferrari, for some reason, a really good round here. So, yeah, it, it was it was weird. It, it it was odd watching it happen. It felt like it was some sort of F1 2020 game mod, like just watching these cars go round this circuit. It just felt very strange. Um, and, and the camera angles, I don't know, there was something about the camera angles that made it feel a bit weird for me personally. I can't, couldn't put my finger on what. <laughs> but but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the worst race at all. It was there was turn one's a very difficult one, and it was good to see a lot of mistakes into there, and there was quite good racing on lap one. But but yeah, it was it wasn't as bad as as everyone maybe thought it was going to be. I I love that first sector that you can follow and switch back through. You get a lot of side by side action. Obviously, we saw on the first lap Bottas going around the outside, and you still have the run to be able to follow and the inside line for the next corner. And there's a few incidents, um, a few more that were even missed by the camera. There was an amazing move from Magnussen that I saw after the race as well, where he kind of dived up the inside of that last bit of the first sector. But there's a lot of opportunity to overtake in that first sector. And Hamilton before the race said, uh, it's going to be difficult to overtake on, but every circuit is nowadays. And that's so true. I'm I'm not necessarily on board with this whole theory that tracks like the Nürburgring aren't suited to modern cars because we've seen races at Sochi and you know you're going to tell me we're going to have an absolute banger at Yas Marina this year probably not so there's definitely you know we have these cars F1 showed an amazing race from 2011 which was actually quite a big eye-opener to me um, because they could just follow so closely there were moments where you had the other car literally 
sat on the on the rear wing of the other car coming around the final corner and then you could obviously have a great run um it's it's a good track i enjoyed it and i I think it it definitely provided a lot more overtaking than i expected which is always in the midfield indeed yeah it was uh not too bad i people say it was you know quite a decent race you 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 know you yourself says plenty of action in the midfield i think it the one thing that was a dampener for me was the fact that Red Bull and Mercedes were so far out in front that it was almost ridiculous. Like Hamilton would have yeah. lapped every single person bar Verstappen at the end of the race had it not been for that safety car, which I think was a was a dampener for me because you know I love to see a, 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 a you know a race for the victory. And as much as Verstappen was there or thereabouts, it didn't ever feel like he could challenge Hamilton. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was a little bit depressing for me as a you know a hardcore F one fan to see the midfield so far behind uh, the the front. Yeah, I'm 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 used to it now. It is a it is a big shame. I totally agree. Um, unfortunately, it's not something that's going to be fixed until 2022. Um, but yeah, like I say, watching this race from 2011, it was amazing. That I think I think the the race uh, yesterday. I'm sure it was about a 16 second gap that Leclerc had from Verstappen in about seven laps, which is just unbelievable. And this race that I was watching from 2011, you had the Force Indias as they were then up in sixth and seventh, and they were they were hanging on the back. the 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 field spread for the entire um, grid was pretty much the gap that you get between this F1 and F1.5. Now it's a massive shame, but unfortunately, it's just nothing we can do about it and next year will be the same and we just we just pray that 2022 gives us a nice close championship indeed we interrupt this wtf1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode beer 52 now you have to be over 18 remember that celebrate the famous beer festival oktoberfest from the comfort of your own home with a free case of eight german craft beers from beer 52 the world's biggest beer club All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 and cover the £5.95 postage and they'll deliver them straight to your door if you're over 18. Beer 52's Beer Boffins are on a demented mission to find the very best beer anywhere on the planet. Every month they visit a different country, find the best small batch breweries, sample their finest craft beer and then carefully curate a case to be sent to their lucky members. It's a hard job, but someone has to do it. And it's all done remotely right now due to Covid, of course. This month is Germany to celebrate the world's biggest beer festival. If you don't like dark beer, don't worry. Choose the light option. It's easy. Each case also comes with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment, as well as a tasty snack to enjoy with your beer. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 to claim your free case of eight craft beers now. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1. Now, back to the podcast. Uh, right, let's uh, go on to my three-word race review. And this is going to be painful. <laughs> uh, mine is quite simple. Albon's got to go. I'm sorry for all you Albon fans out there, but I'm not saying got to go as in get out of Formula One. He's got to relinquish that Red Bull seat, and I don't think it's going to be up to him anyway. Um, it was a performance that really showed that he is feeling the pressure even it was Gasly levels. Uh, if we if we're going to compare it to anything, uh, Gasly in his very much whatever you want to call it, the low of his career. Uh, at Lavicious X says, "Do you think it was the final nail in the coffin for Albon today?" Uh, yeah, I think so. You know the fact that you know he was there or thereabouts in qualifying in terms of on the grid. I think he started sixth, didn't he, or fifth or sixth? Um, yeah, yeah fifth because he got fifth, qualified by Leclerc. Yeah. That was it, fifth, yeah. And uh, and he went backwards at the start. And the fact that that Red Bull had the pace to lap every single person on the grid and Albon didn't get a podium. Obviously, he, he retired, but he wasn't he in a position. No. Yeah, he wasn't in a position to get that podium. That was embarrassing. You know, that's like Albon back in Austria when he got lapped by Verstappen when he won the race. It was Was that right? Uh, no, no, that was Gasly. To Gasly, yeah, Gasly last, Gasly, sorry, that was yeah, Gasly last year. I'm getting confused. See, they're, they're literally merging into one for me. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that this was 
you know, I've, I've said it and I said it again, you know, I feel bad saying horrible stuff about him in terms of his actual driving performance, but why should he get, oh God, I've accidentally, wow, I just turned on a One Direction accidentally when I was cleaning my keyboard. <laughs> I accidentally pressed play and then Kiss You by One Direction came on. Anyway, uh, we continue. Albon, <laughs> um, yeah, Albon, it was just a concoction of everything that you didn't want to happen for him happened. Went backwards in qualifying, got out, you know, out-qualified by Leclerc. Then he didn't have pace in the race. Then he swipes in front of Kvyat. Like, what Awful. What even was what that? What was he doing? Yeah, terrible. I, I remember you texted me, like, Albon, what yeah, is going I think on? Yeah, I, I think I just said, what is Albon doing or something? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's shocking. I'd, I'd, I'd go as far as saying that he's doing maybe worse than Gasly now. That race is about as bad. The only thing I think could have gone worse in that race is if he'd been lapped by Verstappen and then maybe taken Verstappen out the race <laughs> while being lapped. It genuinely was that bad. And like you say, it's very strange because it, he, Albon's a really nice guy. He endears himself to the public. He seems like like a Lando where he's very much like a... It seems like a normal guy that's got in a Formula One car. But you just have to... You know, if you put your non-biased head on, you think Lance Stroll is getting lapped. If Lance Stroll was getting lapped by his teammate and had the race he had, everyone would say you need to get out of Formula One. Um, it was it was as bad as you can possibly get. And I think you mentioned this on another podcast we did. And I'm starting to worry about this as well, that if it continues, he might not even have an Alfa Tauri drive to fall back on. Yeah. Because that race was so poor, it was... The pace was dreadful. The racecraft was dreadful. It's clearly a there's a lot of it's due to confidence as well, but oh, it's just it was it was embarrassing to watch. It was I do feel sorry for him, but it just seemed like it was it was the final straw for me, and a lot of people I'm sure agree that that's it. Surely, yeah, it has to be. If Red Bull want to challenge Mercedes moving forward, they can't have an Albon in that second seat. They have to have a Hulkenberg or a Perez, someone that can. You know, they might not beat Max Verstappen, but they'll be there or thereabouts. There'll be a Mark Webber, potentially, uh, in terms of, you know, getting a few victories and, and whatever if they have a championship-challenging car. Albon, you know, takes out Kvyat's front wing, almost took out Gasly, but he was incredibly yeah, he lucky yeah. uh, to, for Gasly to be aware that Albon had locked up. Like, uh, And then, obviously, there's the whole question that did Red Bull retire him because of the way in which he was driving? Because he was... He didn't have a power problem. We saw it on the onboard. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Tommy. It was on the F1 TV, yeah. I think it was. Next Where question, he was closing yeah. in. Um, oh, here we go. Gilsey Bear says, did Albon's car have a problem or did Red Bull decide to withdraw him in a rage quit style? Uh, it didn't seem like he had a power issue at all. And he was closing in on what car, whatever car was in front of him. Was it Hulkenberg? Oh, I can't remember now. Um, but but yeah, he, he visibly didn't have a power problem. And then he was like, why? Why are you retiring the car? Oh, it's something about... And then I think Christian Horner said something about something had pierced a radiator. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, no one can ever confirm or deny, can they? Apart from people within the team. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I don't blame them almost. That's how <laughs> bad that um, album was, was driving. Yeah, there's surely no way Red Bull would sacrifice points, but it is a very odd one. I'll, I'll just read out something I read, actually, on... Because I haven't... Uh, I did actually listen to the radio, but someone with F1 TV uh, on Reddit called Firefighter481, so credit to those guys, um, this is what they wrote after the race. So, race replays are now up on F1 TV, and I've just watched the last five laps of Albon's race. There is no mention of engine issues halfway through his last lap when his engineer tells him they are going to retire the car with no further reason given. Albon then asks why, and his engineer says, we'll explain when you're in. Over the last laps, the engineer gives several messages to Albon, one engine mode change, warning of a slow Ocon, uh, but there's no mention of power issues and Albon isn't dropping off Gasly, which would suggest a power problem, which is what you said as well. Um, yeah, uh, after being told there is a power issue, Albon doesn't say anything and there's just radio silence. In fact, the only radio message during those few laps are that they race me so hard and why when being told that he needs to retire. Yeah, the very, race me, very strange. The race me so hard was obviously in relation to the fact that it's Alpha Tauri and it's the B team. Yeah. But also they have no, they don't have to let him through. 
Exactly. uh, They they want that Red Bull drive. And clearly they've seen that Albon's locked up nearly crashed into Gasly. Look, it might be just stirring the conspiracy pot here, but Albon was lining up another move on Gasly. Red Bull were thinking, he's going to do it. He's going to take him out. They're going to crash. Go on uh, YouTube, search Alex Albon Team Radio. Have a listen. It just seems... You know, you can never gauge it, but it does seem a little bit fishy to me. The the, the way he just says, um, there's a problem, tell you later. It's not, yeah. you know, why 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 wouldn't they just say to him, if Christian Horner's saying it's a punctured radiator, what what's the harm in just saying the radiator is punctured, I'm really sorry, we've got to retire the car. Yeah, why would they exactly. why would they not make say it? It just seems very odd. Very odd indeed. Um and that's why we're stirring that pot because well, <laughs> To be fair, you say why would Red Bull sacrifice points? They're getting second in the championship no matter what, and yeah, they might think that a, no a broken contender. they might think that a broken Red Bull is is worth uh, more than Albon finishing in eighth or ninth or whatever. So yeah, who knows? Uh, interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to find out and be a fly on the wall in that meeting. Uh, J underscore Nair eleven says, would you give Gasly a second chance in the Red Bull or look elsewhere? Perhaps Hulkenberg or Perez. We've we've dived into this a little bit before, so we won't go into it too much now. But um, you know, I've already said it's, it's a Hulkenberg or a Perez. If Red Bull genuinely are serious about having some sort of title challenger going into next year and potentially into the new regs, they need a consistent, reliable driver. And Perez is probably the better one of the two, just in terms of being able to get awesome performances out of perhaps a mediocre car. But either of them, either of them are available by the looks of things. And Albon, I think, has genuinely, as as Lavisha said, put his final nail in the coffin, and that mm. might enable Perez or Hulkenberg to get that contract through. This is going to hurt Albon fans even more. But if I was Red Bull, I would be getting Hulkenberg in the car for the next race, see if he does any better, and then you can make a... Basically, you can... If Hulk does better, then you've got that comparison with Gasly, who's already driven a Red Bull, and you know for next year. I did read something quite interesting. Um, don't know how how kind of reliable it was, but Helmut Marko apparently said that they'd already been in contact with Hulkenberg because Albon had an inconclusive COVID test before the race and that they'd already called him to basically okay. see if he was he was there. Um, but uh, another interesting thing that we were actually talking about before that I haven't told you uh, fully yet is Nico Rosberg was not... Um, yeah, he, he, he loves to stir and get, get the answers out of people. Um, he clearly knew about this paddock rumour and Duresta was kind of stumbling on his words and Rosberg just kept digging and digging and basically Duresta on the post-race coverage said that there is a strong rumour in the paddock that Gasly has not made friends with Red Bull and they're not very happy with him and that's why they're not promoting him. So maybe Gasly for whatever reason has burned his bridges a little bit with Red Bull racing and that's why he's not going straight back in the car. And I don't... I don't. I never saw that as being an, an opportunity anyway for Gasly. Like he's had his opportunity at Red Bull. Yeah. He needs to at least have a few years to really develop. He's not going to be a change driver between last year and this year. Like he's not going to have changed that much. Or you know, the Red Bull hasn't changed fundamentally enough for Gasly to go into this new car and think, "Oh, this suits me better," because he's, it's going to be the same car. Yeah, and people were saying, "Oh, well, he's won a race in an AlphaTauri now, but he was really good." The, in Torosso as well, so yeah. it, he didn't shows... win that on merit, as in terms of he didn't win that on yeah. pure pace, did he? Yeah, exactly. He, he did an amazing thing, but he was he. We've seen how good he's performing, but he performed really good in the Torosso beforehand, and he he performed really good in the Torosso immediately after he was demoted. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to know what you think, but I w- I would personally, I think Hulkenberg should get sh- they should get Hulkenberg if they really want to seriously be this top team that are challenging for titles they're going to have to look outside the driver program now for yeah, me absolutely uh gasly i he did win on merit i didn't mean it in terms of he didn't yeah, deserve yeah, to win I know what you but mean. Uh, no it but i'm covering like, off the comments that yeah. are definitely flying yeah, yeah. in right now so <laughs> yeah, um, we know what you mean it's it was a fortunate win through a, a tactical decision and obviously he yeah he, he was around the other cars and held off for the victory in a brilliant way and deserved a 
deserved the victory. Yeah, but, it it yeah. didn't. It doesn't mean that he's a change driver. That's what I was no. alluding yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, Hulkenberg, driver of the day. Uh, Arpia Liv says, is Hulkenberg's performance today another example of why he should have a seat in F1? I mean, we've already kind of touched on it, but but yes, uh, you know, uh, we've. I mentioned in IBR that you know we a lot of people, including myself, have said, "Look, Nico has had his opportunity to to get a great result, to get a podium, to to move his way up the F1 ladder." But at the same time, he's never been in a team where he can truly unleash performances. Fair enough, he has had moments where he could have had a podium and he's messed up. There's there's no denying that. But at the same time, he has been an incredibly consistent driver. I mean, seventh was usually where he finished most of the times. So I think he won Formula 1.5 when it was the top three teams and then the rest of the field. So Nico is very much a reliable driver. But if, if he goes into Red Bull and he has the same problems as Albon and Gasly, <laughs> then that's going to stump a lot of people, including myself, probably you as well, Tommy, because we th- yeah. we kind of see it as a young driver problem. If Hulkenberg or a Perez goes into Red Bull and still and has that same problem, there is something fundamentally wrong with that Red Bull program. Yeah, you wouldn't, you know, if Hulkenberg was a tenth, two tenths off Verstappen in a car that Verstappen's built around him, uh, clearly the team, he's the future for that team. Um, and it suits his his driving style and he's one of, if not the quickest guy in F1. Hulkenberg, yeah, if he if he's closer, then it's like, well, that makes sense. But if, like you say, if Hulkenberg's getting lapped by Verstappen in the races, you've got to think, what on earth is going on in that second yes. car? Very, very strange situation. But Hulkenberg, again, what a, what a drive. I don't think anyone has been in the car that late. To it, I think the only disappointing thing for me was the fact that I would have actually quite liked him to be in the car for fp3 and we could have seen how he stacked up against perez on merit in like a in a fair fight obviously maybe not entirely fair because he's jumped in the car but it would have been maybe a bit closer and see what he could have done but p p8 when you've done 10 minutes in the car before the race is unbelievable yeah, it was a fantastic drive from Nico, and you can just tell that it, you know, every lap he turned, he, he got better and quicker and more consistent. So, um, brilliant drive from him, and he's now seven points behind Sebastian Vettel in the championship. Who would have thought that? Eh? He, that's, uh, yeah, that's a statistic. I saw an incredible one from Luke Smith that says Nico Hulkenberg has scored more points in the last seven races than Sebastian Vettel. I think that says Big, more about Vettel's uh, season than it does Hulkenberg's personally. Yes, very but, true, um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, right, let's move on. Championship over. I guess we can talk about uh, the the fight at the front for the very small time that there was a fight. Uh, <laughs> Harris underscore Matthias, is the fight for the Drivers' Championship officially over with Bottas retiring from the race or does he have a chance to come back? No, I'm sorry. I I will not hype something that is clearly over. I'm sorry, everybody, but the championship is done. Lewis Hamilton is going to be a seven-time world champion and let's... Not hope that that was a jinx and we get a great last six races, but it would have to be, I mean, and Bottas has said it himself, it'd have to be a miracle for Bottas to come back. 70 points is a long, long way. That's almost three race victories with only six races to go. Hamilton can can snatch the title in two races time. Yeah, I I found this one a little bit odd. Maybe I'm, I'm too pessimistic, but I never really thought the title... Was on. I guess. I guess this oh, no, was like sixty-nine points, not seventy. Sorry. This, okay. This was like. I guess this was the hammer blow of it. Um, that if there was any chance of it happening, maybe this was the race with Bottas. But even if Bottas had finished third, which it looked like he was going to end up because of his his lockup and ending up behind Verstappen, he's not. He's not able to match Hamilton. He, he, he had his elbows out, and you thought all right, Bottas, this is what we want to see. And I was actually thinking before he made his lockup, I was thinking this, this is a shame you did your radio call last week because this is the kind of race you do where you muscle Hamilton yeah. out the way and then you do the radio call to say who it may concern. But Max has had three retirements now and Bottas is not that far ahead of him in the, in the title. I, d- I don't think the championship really was ever on for Bottas. No, I mean, it, it's it potentially... Just... It potentially could have been uh, with with the fact that, you know, as you say, had his elbows out and um, 
if you know if he'd won and Hamilton finished second, then the 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 deficit comes down again, and there is some hope. But obviously, he had, he made that mistake, which was massive uh, in terms of the fight for the win, and even for for P two because he locked up, ruined his tire. Max nearly got through, then he pitted, uh, and then obviously the VSC came out, which absolutely screwed his race. So psychologically, as soon as he'd made that lockup, that was championship done, in my opinion, um, just purely from the fact that he has made a mistake purely off his own back, un, you know, completely unforced. Obviously, Hamilton is behind, putting pressure on, yeah. but it's not like he was going up the inside or something. Uh, so, yeah, it's such a shame. We briefly interrupt this WTF1 podcast for another shout-out, this time for ExpressVPN, one that you'll know very well if you listen to this WTF1 podcast a lot. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. You open the app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access thousands of new shows or movies. You can choose from almost 100 different countries and you can supercharge your Netflix subscription with way more content. So why should you choose ExpressVPN over other VPNs? Well, you can stream in HD, no problem, no buffering or lag. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, pretty much anything. Not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. All you have to do is go to expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1 to get an extra three months off ExpressVPN for free. expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Now back to the podcast. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it, uh, to answer your question, Harris, Matthias, it, it, it is done, unfortunately. We can hope for some great races in these next six, but unless Hamilton, I mean, God, unless Hamilton gets COVID, which is obviously a thing that, you know, is a complete unknown. Perez has been wiped out from it. Stroll's been wiped out by an illness. That's that's the only thing I see Bottas having a chance of getting back into the championship or, or Hamilton having terrible um, luck in terms of retirements because there's, there's only, what, six times 25, which is 150 points left on the table. So... Yeah, it's uh, obviously the rest of the season is still a little bit of an unknown with with those factors, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Bottas would want to win a championship that way anyway. No, not by pure luck. It would would be a shame, right? Let me go get Frank. Hang on. Yeah, go throw him out the window, and I'll, I'll start the next segment. It's fine. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo podium, right? So whilst Tom is getting uh, his his dog. Uh, from outside, inside, wherever uh, Frank is. Uh, Danny Rick, podium. What an unbelievable drive from him. Obviously, he took a little while to get past Charles Leclerc at the start of the race. Uh, but but then after that, he was... Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I said in IBR, he, he did drive away. But then Perez actually had the favourable strategy at that stage of the race because he, um, you know, he was closing in on, on Danny Rick until the VSC came. Oh, no, the, the actual full safety car came out. Uh, and then Danny Rick could uh, go on soft tyres, Perez on soft tyres as well. It looked quite close at the start. Um, but but then Danny Rick was just able to to hold on because, you know, there was enough performance in that Renault. Uh, I feel like you've just come back, Tommy. Have you? I have uh, just come back. Brilliant. Is, is Frank going to be quiet now or? Hopefully, yeah. He better be. Otherwise, I will say strong words to him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Josef Marks says, can you believe Ricardo legit forgot about the shoey? Um, yes, I can believe it, to be honest, because, you know, he hadn't been on the podium for two and a half years. And uh, as my, I'm actually, I didn't think he was going to do a shoey anyway because of COVID. Um, so <laughs> uh, think, a lot of people were very upset that there wasn't one, though. I think everyone thought it was because of COVID. And then there was that interview, wasn't there, with F1 afterwards. And yeah, you and could, like, oh, you could see it. in his eyes when the moment hit him where it's like, oh, yeah, that's my thing. And um, he did one on Instagram though later, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And unbelievable to think Monaco, when he won in Monaco, which feels like a lifetime ago, that was his last podium. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? That's I can't believe he went without a podium after Monaco 2018. That's, yeah. uh, that's a long drought, but uh, back on the podium, a very, a very uh, likable guy, obviously, and very happy to see him back on the podium. Uh, he did a showy for, uh, on his Instagram for people that have missed that. Finally, um, and- Renault. Finally, Renault on the podium. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, they've 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 been <laughs> they've been looking like they were going to get this for quite some time. So I'm glad they managed to get it, and I'm looking forward to Cyril Abitbull's tattoo. Although I think it will be much less um, dramatic than people are potentially hoping. Um, yeah, I actually said in IBR that he'd get a three and a sausage, and then I realised that is literally the outline of of, of uh, 
of yeah. something. Um, yeah, that but, would be uh, good. Yeah. What did you make of Danny Rick's performance, Tommy? Oh, uh, yeah. A really, really good drive. It's interesting now that because Ferrari aren't in the mix and, like we've already mentioned, Albon isn't in the mix, anyone dropping out that top three positions, if if you have a, a Mercedes or a, a Max having a bad race, there's a there's a podium up for grabs between one of the drivers and we've now had I think it's only Williams, Alpha, Romeo and Haas are the only ones that have not got a podium this year now. So um at least we're getting a bit of bit of podium action from these these midfield teams because now there's now an extra spot available where Ferrari were before. Cause it cause last couple of years it was a foregone conclusion that there's no way any of them yeah, to get because one. you had Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes, didn't you? Yeah, like like we mentioned, like we mentioned before, it was Nico Hulkenberg finishing seventh was the victory. <laughs> yeah, it was. Great. It was, which is very sad. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it, for that, it's it's much better. Uh, the fact the fact that Ferrari have fallen off so badly in performance has allowed us to at least have a, a mini victory for for a midfield team sometimes, which is which is nice. Uh, right, Tommy, play the jingle. Now it's time for ABCDEF1. Is it done? Cool. Uh, right, before we get into ABCDEF1, I want to, you know, just basically talk about a few comments that we had for our last ABCDEF1. Now, okay. I think people forget that this is an opinion segment. Now, me and Tommy, we, we you know, we, we don't analyse every single driver's performance throughout the 70 laps or however long every lap every turn they make but it's just an opinion segment it's one where we both grade you are allowed to disagree uh, and i'm sorry that some of you disagreed with our previous um previous abcdef1 ratings but when you actually look at the power rankings that formula one released and our abcdef1 ratings they're actually quite similar so uh a few haters out there take yeah, a look not, at that yeah it's not it's not like we we're going oh i don't like this person he gets an f like no. when they have a bad race, we give them a bad grade. Absolutely. When they have a good race, we give them a good grade. It's and you're really allowed to disagree. That if you don't like this segment, I'm sorry. Skip it. I apologise. <laughs> a lot of people do like this segment. Um, so we will continue. Right. Let's start with Lewis Hamilton. Um, uh, a? a. Yeah, it's not an A start. It, no. Not, not his best race by any means. But it, it's a shame we didn't get to see him battle Bottas on track because he was closing in when Bottas made the mistake and that's what we want to see isn't it we want to see Bottas ahead yeah, yeah you know more you're getting likely, a good... yeah more likely the one to overtake so you know you're getting a good race when Bottas is the one leading after lap one yeah. when it's Hamilton leading after lap one we hardly ever see Bottas <laughs> win it's, it's just a fact uh, Valtteri Bottas oh god I mean it was all looking so good at the start and then he what made a, a big mistake as well Amazing yeah. qualifying, elbows out, and then, oh, that's such a big mistake in the lead. Mm. A big mistake. I mean, I know he had the power issue problem, but he would have finished third behind Verstappen, and if he'd have done that and finished third, we'd probably still be giving him a B or a C anyway, wouldn't we? So, so I think C. Yeah, I think I think. Because it yeah. was looking quite good. It was an A or you know potentially A star performance if he'd if he'd won and beaten Hamilton purely on merit. Yeah, it's B it's B minus territory, but I think we don't do B minuses, so it's we a don't C. do minuses and pluses. Even though you people can't. hate the segment for the fact that we don't have pluses and minuses, <laughs> deal with it. It's literally just an opinion fun segment. Relax. Um, right, yeah. Uh, so C. Bottas, let's go with a C. I think it's fair uh, yeah. to, to give him that before he conked out. Uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, I think he did pretty much everything he possibly could in that Ferrari. So I'm going to give him an A. Yeah, it's not a star performance. He his if qualifying. he'd finished fourth, oh my, it word. would have been what a qualifying. How on earth he got ahead of a Red Bull in that <laughs> Ferrari is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, he's he's showing, you know, that he is he is the real deal. When you have these, you know, he could have quite easily he's got into Ferrari. And it quite easily could have had his head dropped and him not been able to show yeah. what he can do. And he probably feels like he's almost back at Sauber at this rate with the with the car he's got behind him. But like we say, the best drivers can prove what they can do when the car's not 100%. And Leclerc is doing that amazingly well this year. So fair play to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I don't think he should be, if he is, I don't think he, he is, but... Um... 
he shouldn't be worried about the fact that you know Ferrari dropped off in performance. You know, he's got a, a huge future with them. He's definitely very much ingrained in the F1 driver market now. If Ferrari, for some reason, you know, he wants to leave or whatever, and I think this this season is just enabling him to hone his skills even more without the, having the the additional pressure of fighting Mercedes all the time. Obviously, he wants to win. Don't get me wrong, but you know, his tire management and things like that, maybe things that he's struggled with coming into Formula One, he's able to hone now. Uh, and then when he does get that race-winning car again, I think we're going to see even more of a complete package. Uh, even though you, you know you look back to when he won at Monza, you know I don't think he could have had more pressure on his shoulders if he tried. But but I don't see this as a bad thing this season for for Charles to really test a few things and and really get um, an understanding of of the car. Obviously, the car's going to change in twenty twenty two. But exactly, just you'd embed ra- himself in Formula One. Yeah, you'd rather be having it now when you'd say that Mercedes have locked in the next two titles uh, and you, <laughs> it's sad, but the, and no team really has a chance, do they? So you'd rather get out the way and then in 2022, you, you're you the best version of yourself and you, you're driving. So yeah, awesome from Leclerc. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Oh See, dear. See, this is where people hate get, this. yeah, people get arsy at this, but he's just not driving well. And I know there's situations where the, the car is built for Leclerc 100%, but it's the same with Albon. The car is built for Verstappen and, and Vettel is not driving well. I know in a year he can't have just suddenly got terrible, but he's not having good races and he's making mistakes as well. It's, not, it's, just, it's just not the Sebastian Vettel we're used to. Yeah, and, and you know, people, as much as people will have a go at us for, you know, for giving Vettel a bad grade and saying, well, the car isn't built for him how do we know that that's literally just an opinion as well we don't know if this car is built for Leclerc obviously he is the Ferrari's future star and you would assume that the development of the car is going to be more to Leclerc's driving uh, liking but this is between one year of Vettel winning in 2019 to then going to 2020 I can't imagine the car is a huge amount different that it would provide this this massive performance gap I think there's a lot of different factors here uh, including Vettel not driving very well and having his head dropped and things that we've seen before in the past where Ricardo beat him at Red Bull in 2014, was it? Yeah, it feels very yeah. sim- similar to that where he's just kind of done with the season. And I guess for Sebast- Sebastian Vettel fans, the hope is that history repeats itself before and when he got into a new car, he was incredible that season. So let's let's obviously we all hope that that is the case. We're allowed to give him a bad grade and think that and hope that he does well in the future. And we, yep. we do hope that in Aston Martin that they are gonna, you know, have a good have a good uh, a good season. So I think right. Vettel's gotta yeah. be a D or an E. Yeah, I think D. Let's give him a D. Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, uh, we're not gonna explain our grades anymore, <laughs> by the way. We're not gonna say sorry for our grades anymore. I think we've covered that off yeah, okay, um, fair. nicely. Um but yeah, D for, D for Vettel. Um for Stappen, yeah, I think I think qualifying could have gone a little bit better. You know, he said that there wasn't um, he didn't have many uh, much grip in Q3, I think he said, uh, which obviously mm. you know I can't really blame him for. But at the same time, I think if he'd have managed to split the Mercedes or even get in front, he could it have was won that. So race. close, yeah, he was so close. Um, yeah, because if he'd have got the inside line into turn one, you never know. Yeah, so I think uh, A for for Max. Yeah, it's not an A star. It's an A. No. I mean, he did a fantastic job to, to yeah. hang on to Hamilton and obviously Hamilton after the race saying, you know, Red Bull are coming for us. Uh, they're not really, they're not, they're not beating Mercedes. No, and I think I that, I think that when we have an unpredictable race weekend, that's when Red Bull were very much closer. He got fastest uh, lap by, was it like six thousandths of a second or something? Yeah, or something? And then crazy. Hamilton's like, they're closing up. It's like, are they though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So A for Verstappen, Albon, uh, we're going to just F. have to give him a straight up F. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Straight up F. Sorry, Alban, but yeah, that's unfortunately what we're going to do. Said everything. Carlos signs now. Um, interesting one for him. It, it felt like he was just a little bit off Lando all weekend and uh, didn't just had quite a quiet weekend, uh, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, really, really anonymous from him. I think McLaren have kind of dropped behind Rene now on pace, but normally Sainz, he's, he's just been a bit unlucky this year. He's had a lot of. Uh, a lot of DNFs and and problems. He he'd be maybe ahead or at least equal to Lando in the championship if he hadn't had the issues he's had. But didn't didn't see him on the pace of Lando this weekend and just 
I, I mean, it's a solid race, but not not anything special from him. Just very anonymous, really. Yeah. Um, so probably a B, B. For, for Carlos. Yeah, I think B's fair. And then Lando, I think A, because yeah, his pace was decent. Yeah, it's very unlucky. It would have been... I, I said it during the race, actually, that when Ricardo made his stop, uh, actually, was it Lando made his stop after he was losing power? I can't remember, but it would have been nice to yeah, see he where he came out the pits um, because it looked like it was going to be a nice battle with Lando, Perez, and Ricardo for that podium spot. And they were all kind of mixing their strategies up a little bit. They, they weren't all pitting on the same lap. So, yeah, it would have been it would have been nice to see how that went but yeah, well he did he did pit didn't race. he he pit and he came out ahead of perez because uh, he was still having his power problems um, yeah but i think he, been, for the he might have been able to challenge for for the podium if it wasn't for, um, for his power. i don't know i i think it was probably p5 for lando I, I don't think he had the outright pace but then he was ahead of perez yeah uh, yeah oh, it's, it's difficult maybe p4 was on the cast maybe maybe a podium i don't know either way but i think lando deserves an a yeah uh, for his performance um, it was a shame to hear, you know, this all losing power. That we don't like to hear that, do we? Um, no, no. But uh, yeah, a for, a for Lando, uh, Danny Rick. Oh, he's pushing an A star again. He's pushing Danny an Rick. A star. Was it as sensational for A star? It's difficult. It was a yeah, a really good drive. I guess he. I think it's tra- an A on a track where he, where it's difficult to overtake as well. He really did force his way past Leclerc to to get the podium in his hands so he did uh, but i think he was also a little bit fortunate with the with the full safety car to be able to then because i think perez on pace was going to be somewhere near him towards the end of the race that was I actually know, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we were robbed even though normally the safety car is the best thing yeah that was a bit of an anti-climax and it kind of would have been interesting to see because perez looked like he was really closing in yeah and especially towards the end where danny rick would have had his tires falling off quite a bit probably yeah um i don't know i don't feel like i'm not urging to give an a star uh, even though he got a no, podium I'm... i think it's it's <laughs> yeah it's it's really pushing on the top of an a almost a star so let's give him an a yeah not an a plus anybody we're not giving out pluses or minuses <laughs> um right so a for danny rick very close to an a star but not quite ocon um I was I I thought he was having a good race until I realised that he hadn't pitted when he had his problem. Uh, so he was at the back of that long soft runner uh, group, wasn't he? He was uh, mm. behind. Uh, I think it was Lando, Carlos, Sergio, and then I think it was Ocon. Either way, yeah, he was yeah. he was at the back of that pack, and I don't think he was particularly doing well. I think he was almost a pit stop behind Danny Rick when he came in. Uh, for his problems, so I don't know. It was quite a, a C. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not a bad C, but it, yeah, he needs to improve, really, doesn't he? Yeah, still not quite. Still not quite there, uh, which is a shame for him. So yeah, I think yeah, I don't think it deserves a B because he wasn't really running in a particularly strong position for a Renault where Danny Rick got a podium. So yeah. I think yeah. C is probably fair. Uh, Pierre Gasly, where did he finish hmm. in the end? A sixth. Yeah, sixth, good, yeah. good result. I, yeah, I think it's A or yeah, I think it's an A for, yeah, for Pierre. I think he's, yeah, just just gets into the A category again. Just gets into the A category. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an unbelievable drive, but he was he he really? definitely. Um, Where did he start? I would say unbelievable. Um, oh, that's where he was out in Q two, wasn't he? Twelfth, yeah. yeah. Started twelfth, decent race. Yeah, I think yeah no an A an A is fair. Yeah, I think it's a solid A. I don't think it was scraping into an A here. Gasly okay. is the star of the season at the moment, in my opinion. I think he's yeah, he's, he's doing a fantastic an job. Amazing season. Yeah, so it's a P6 and an A for Gasly. Kvyat, shame for him, obviously, having his front wing ripped off by by Mr. Alex Alban. Um, where was he? Was he doing okay at that point? He was not too far behind. He, he didn't have a bad race. I mean, obviously, the, the Alban thing ruined his, yeah. his race completely i'd give him a b because yeah i think a b as well he, you just don't know uh where he's gonna be so hey, b good one, her. Good one. <laughs> uh sergio perez uh, he had a good race i'd say probably an a an a for perez definitely yeah, yeah a good, for perez good, good uh, obviously we would usually have lance stroll but we're gonna have nico hulkenberg i think it's gonna be an a star isn't it yeah yeah it has Come on, it's, you can't. It, yeah, I do want to give him an 20th A 20th to 8th. 
after turning up on Saturday, after not driving the car since Silverstone, and he said the car is very different to how it felt around Silverstone. So I think what uh, I think yeah. what's really impressive about Hulk's drive as well, and that there probably be people shouting about all the mistakes he made, but I don't remember if you think about people that have been spinning off, locking up, running wide. Don't feel like Hulk did that, and yeah, obviously he it was quite not a race of attrition, but he made up a few places because of incidents. But at the end of the day, he drove he he drove a really solid race, made no mistakes, and he was putting in some passes as well. Which, when you've not driven the car the entire weekend, is pretty sensational. So, yeah, yeah fair play to Hulk. Yeah, taking everything into account, I think an A star is is very worthy for for him scoring points. Um, is is a brilliant drive. So, um, right, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, uh, he got beaten by Giovinazzi this this weekend, didn't he? Right now, now I'm going to get some some hate. I think Kimi Raikkonen's race was as bad as Alex Albon's. I think it was I, really that bad. Maybe not it just, as bad. His whole weekend, I mean, he, he obviously destroyed weekend, Russell. Didn't his he, whole weekend, one? though. Yeah, yeah. Destroy. He made mistakes. He ran wide. He qualified nineteenth. Just a terrible weekend for Kimi, which is a shame because he was obviously celebrating his being his, the most. The, yeah, three hundred and twenty third race start, and he did not give two hoots, did he? Which he fair, did not yeah. care. Which is uh, quite funny, but uh, but yeah, Kimi had a terrible race. It's almost like he didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I think an E. I think it's not quite as bad as Albon. But I want to say F, but you want to say F? I'll, I, I want to give him an E because you know it's this is you know three hundred twenty third race. You know he's oh, on, then. he's we'll not he's not a young whippersnapper. <laughs> you know he's getting old these days, old Kimi. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe an F because what he took out Russell. He qualified 19th. He took out George and Russell. And Jovanazzi got he a He made okay, a mistake let's, let's... at turn on, on lap one as well, ran wide and lost a few places. Just a messy weekend from someone. Okay, well, comments. Better. I wanted to give an E. So if you're hating, <laughs> please hate on Tommy for giving an F for right Okay, I'm okay. fine. I'll take it. You take the hate. Right. Jovanazzi, he scored a point. So let's I, give him a definite A. A. What a drive. Too he... late, unfortunately. I know. Why? Did we give him an A last week? I don't know. I don't know what I feel happened like we, yesterday. Yeah, I feel like we gave him an A last <laughs> week as well, and we had the exactly the same conversation of, wow, what a drive. Shame it's too late. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What on earth? Qualified 14th. <laughs> Qualified 14th. He got... Was he, was he running about he was running 10th Vettel, or 11th he, or something yeah. at the start? Yeah, what what a drive. Just Yeah, he, he gained three positions at the start, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah, Antonio, great drive, but uh, I don't. I still don't think he's going to be on the grid next year, no, which I is don't a shame. Either. Yeah, an A. Yeah, it's given yeah, an A. He's not yeah, going to yeah. have many more A's in his career, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Magnussen, mm, not particularly. No, anything quite. special, especially when Grosjean got quite a, a good well. result and a point. Uh, Two points. C B C. Where did Magnussen finish? 11th? 13th. <clears throat> oh, 13th. Okay, C. Yeah, okay. Let's give him a C. Uh, and Grosjean, uh, well, has just left him out on hard tyres, 16-lap-old hard tyres when the safety car came out, and he somehow managed to get two points in ninth. Yeah. So Grosjean a... gets an A. Yeah. What? Uh, has to. Again, Grosjean's been putting in some good drives. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, it, I don't think him him or Giovinazzi would have got points had we not had so many retirements obviously yeah but um but hey they're still at there at the end of the race and you have to go by where they finish and uh, their performance and I think Grosjean uh well we had some gravel hit him at over 100 miles an hour didn't he and uh hurt his finger for the entire race so uh, yeah and I... an ailing Grosjean getting two points in, uh, and there was an amazing tweet in internet's best reactions uh, of a, a really old car going over the line uh with the the guy waving his flag the tractor, probably better yeah. if you see it but yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was uh, it was very funny. So uh, so Grosjean, A, well done. Well done, Grosjean. Uh, George Russell, well, he was having an okay-ish uh, race. He said that he could have potentially had points, but obviously Kimi Raikkonen locking up into him and blowing up his race, I, I think. Yeah, it does feel like a what-might-have-been race, doesn't it? Because of especially yeah. of all the, the incidents and the fact that Giovinazzi and Grosjean were up there, you've got to think that. Russell was racing them. Would so. have as well, but hey, oh, what, if, what so a shame! B. Yeah, what if B? 
B Let's for... give him a B. And Nicholas Latifi had a pretty meh race, didn't yeah, he? It was really nowhere. Nowhere so all weekend. Um, probably D then. Because D... C's quite average, isn't it? So Yeah, not really on the he pace. Finished yeah, pretty much last, a, didn't he? Uh, I'd say C or a D. Yeah, no, D. We'll go D. Yeah. D. Not, okay. not really much D for Latifi. Right, Eiffel Grand Prix predictions. <laughs> Good <laughs> predictions, Matt. Oh, uh, I went for delayed start and we didn't even get a bloody drop of rain. Uh, and then Russell points, which, uh, well, yeah, that, that went well, didn't it? Um, so zero points for me this week uh, weekend. Tommy? Uh, I went for constant talk all weekend about how cold it is. Now, I'm, I'm going to screw myself over here and I will say that it, <laughs> Because you were having a go at me for this prediction. I waited it to get annoying. And personally, I wasn't annoyed by it. I thought it was going to get too much where people just mention it all the time. And I don't think it was mentioned that much. So I'm I'm, I'm not going to claim a point there. Oh, wow. Okay. Very valiant of you, Tommy. Yeah. And, I appreciate uh, that. Red flag during the race. No. <laughs> I think this. all our predictions were based on we're the rain. fact that we're going to get an absolute yeah. chaotic rain yeah, rain race. And we didn't get any of it. Uh, fans, Mark underscore W1994, both Ferraris score points. That is uh, a no, isn't it? Wait, yep. where did Vettel finish? Uh, Vettel finished uh, 12th or 11th. Uh, 11th, oh, I think. So yeah, out, out of the points. points. Yeah. Ouch. Unlucky Mark. And Daniel, 200606. It won't happen as it will snow all weekend. Good joke. So uh, zero points across the board for the rain, entire predictions. Rain, rain in five minutes, though. Shocking. Uh, right, Portuguese Grand Prix predictions. My two, and I've gone a little bit different, just a little bit, little bit spicy, a little bit saucy. Um, there will be a great st- strategic battle with tyres, so big strategy race again. Uh, and I think that uh, the track will be called unsuitable for F1 cars due to elevation changes. And maybe I want to get rid of the elevation changes and just keep it generic. But either way, do you, do I you think, think that, we're going to get some moaning in, in FP1? I think about... just because of after watching the GP2 race however many years ago and seeing how far they drop into Turn 1, I think it's pretty crazy. So, Yeah, I think they've resurfaced it ahead of this race, but from... Oh, have they? Damn it. I thought that might be the case, so maybe yeah, I just... Yeah, I think they have, but no, there'll still be the elevation changes. From what I from what I heard, The they've done at least... A track surface change because apparently there were it's a bit of a car a car breaker with bumps and stuff hopefully Ooh. it still will be well that goes into your two predictions it does uh well kind of bottas victory which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of i guess okay. hamilton retires um and an, yeah another race of attrition hopefully okay how many dnfs uh i think there's got to be five or six you have to say five, six, five, five, five or more. Yeah, five or more five for a race of attrition these days. Okay, okay, interesting. All right, and that is <laughs> retirements in terms of mechanical failures. Just retirements. Oh, okay, all right, fine, cool. Uh, the fans, AF eighty five, Cyril to unveil the tattoo, and wait, what? Wait, oh no, sorry. There, all right, so it's oh. the second one, Leclerc, another top five qualifying. Tommy, you know I'm Ron Burgundy, and I'll just read whatever you put on here. <laughs> this God person, this person put like three predictions okay. in one tweet, and you decided and to just... put two in. Okay, so F85 says Leclerc another top five qualifying, and George underscore Tucker four a rain race will finally come. I thought, there you be- go. yeah, because the jinxing never seems to work. We'll just just go with it this time. Maybe maybe it will happen. Okay, uh, Tommy, final thoughts. Let's have another Nurburgring like race, but this time the F1 on the same pace as F1.5, please. Slow down a little bit, Mercedes. Let's start bringing in ballast for Mercedes and Red Bull. Uh, Mercedes and Verstappen. (laughs) Yeah, Mercedes and Verstappen. Imagine that. And Albert just doesn't get a ballast. That would be quite funny. But uh, okay, cool. Thank you so much, Tommy. Uh, And thank you to obviously all of you for watching slash listening. Make sure you check out our sponsors for this episode, Beer 52 and Express VPN. And uh, that is pretty much it. If you want to get involved, uh, any comments, any questions, make sure to obviously follow us on social media and use the hashtag WTF1 podcast. And that is it. We're done, aren't we, Tommy? So uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time for Portimao, where hopefully we'll have a banging race. Uh, And I'm very much looking forward to it. So uh, thank you, Tommy. I'm waving at you right now. Goodbye, Tommy. Have a great day. uh, Three of us next time. There might be three of us. There probably will be three of us. That's very exciting. You will have to wait and see who that will be. Bye, Tommy. Bye. It's not Jensen Button. (laughs) Bye. It's better. Bye. Bye. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.